Hello and welcome back to the Move and Inspire podcast with me, Sophie Deer, where I chat to inspiring thinkers and leaders who will empower people like you and me to live a healthier and happier life. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Move and Inspire podcast. I'm really excited to have Gillian Lavender for a second time on my podcast. Gillian taught me to meditate in 2019 and my life has completely changed because of her. So I wanted to get Gillian on for a second time to talk about relationships. It's something that has come up in conversations that we've had one-to-one, but it's also something that came up in our last podcast and we realized we could do a whole podcast about relationships. So hi, Gillian. Hi, Sophie. Lovely to see you. So great to see you. I would um, love to just start by getting you to just give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself, but also um, maybe a little bit of a a background to your relationships and some key moments um, in your relationship history. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, I live in London with my partner, Michael, and we have our daughter's seven-year-old daughter, Loie, and uh, we... Uh, teachers of Vedic meditation and I've been doing that now for um, coming up on two decades 18 years and prior to that I worked in the corporate world and I was um, CEO of a publishing company a global publishing company I have been meditating for over 25 years I think and uh, like you have noticed uh, huge changes and the trajectory of my life changed you know it really was a fork in the road moment when I learned I didn't know that at the time I thought I was just learning something that was going to help me sleep better um, and give me a bit more energy and then it had a domino effect in terms of every aspect of my life including relationships and uh, you know my relationship history is um, I think like many people you know I I came to relationships expecting that that was going to be a um, a way for me to feel happier and more fulfilled as a person and more complete. You know, there was a there was a sort of a wholeness thing that was going to come from some union with um, somebody else, and that, and we'll come back to that um, because I think that's a really fundamental issue that is so pervasive in our society, and it starts from a very young age. The sense that I'm going to meet. Mr. Right, and everything's going to be hunky dory, and I will be completed as a result of that coming together. Um, and you know, I came from pretty, you know, um, I would say humble, normal beginnings in the sense that my parents were together, though they, I witnessed that relationship, um, and I you know, I, I started dating and, you know, boys were always in, in my life. Um, I was in a relationship very early on with an older guy. Um, and, um, 
that had a big impact, I think, in terms of my maturing and my sense of confidence, um, positive and negative. Um, I moved away from home from New Zealand and I started living in Australia and I got a lot of independence relatively early on. And I had a lot of independence financially because my career sort of took off and I so I had I had that sense of living a life of being out and engaged and meeting lots of different people, lots of people much broader than my circle of where I came, little small Christchurch in New Zealand. You know, my horizons really expanded. Um, and I think that also impacted my sense of what was possible in terms of meeting people and the life that I lived. I think it's fair to say that because I grew up with a pretty traditional, you meet somebody, you get married, you have kids kind of trajectory, um, that didn't happen for me. I, I, I was heading down that road very quickly. And then there was a, there was a moment where I realized, oh, wait a minute, this isn't, I'm not ready for this. And I, I bailed and I left the perfect man and the perfect relationship. And it was a, it was a shock. It was a shock for me because <laughs> I've always, you know, I'd always been the good girl. I'd always been the one that had sort of followed the, the path and done things um, in a more conforming way. And, and there I was having a major crisis, really, of, and, and a feeling of real failure. And um, it was a very, and I was away from home, and it was, it was a tough time for me, I think. Um, and so then I sort of, you know, as so often happens in life, and I think with relationships in particular, you know, it's the pendulum swung, and then I was. I was all over the place, <laughs> you know, there were so many people, men in my life, and I was, I was, uh, rather than having been with somebody from a very young age and not really had much experience of other people, I was sort of out there, and um, that wasn't working either, um, and and so it, it's been a real process of, uh, of learning about myself and relationships has been a really fundamental part of that. And I would say very clearly that as I became more confident in myself, it changed the choices around who I wanted to be with and what I was willing to surrender in terms of my own preferences. Um, and, you know, I... I think when we are less sure of ourselves and we are less confident and we compromise in ways that are not always healthy. Uh, and so that was certainly something that I, I really learned. I really just lived that. And, it, and it, I don't know, maybe I was um, slow in getting that. I, it was definitely linked to me learning to meditate too. I think that was such a fundamental part of me becoming more sure of myself and less needy 
um, and and that then changed the the neediness around you know oh this person is going to make me feel better or um, you know I will be better when or I will be happy when I will be fulfilled when I find this person um, and uh, I think that was a major major shifting and that did not happen overnight that happened over a, a period of time and can I ask um what age you were when that relationship broke down but also how long you'd been together and had you started meditation during your relationship that first relationship was a really formative relationship I had started in my teens with that um, person um, and I had not learned to meditate at that point um, and so there was that big relationship and then there was another another big relationship that came uh, further down the track and at that point I in the middle of that I learned to meditate and uh, and then over time that one also fell away um, and I can point very clearly to how meditation was pivotal in in that because it was really a sort of a divergence you know what that what he was wanting to do versus what I saw my um preferences they they just sort of grew further and further apart um, but that first relationship no I was just you know I was just feeling my way and I was just I was I was working based on the conditioning of my life and of society, which was, you know, you, in, in simplistic terms, you know, you, you grow up and you meet somebody and you get married and you have kids and it's, there you go. And, and I saw a lot of people doing that around me who had relatively limited life experience. And I put myself in that category and it was only once I sort of got out of that environment that I was like whoa wait a minute there's a whole world out here I'm this is this is not I'm not ready for this but then that that second major relationship was when I was meditating and uh yeah really shifting in terms of my sense of self and what I wanted um, certainly more clearly knowing what I didn't want you know I didn't want to go partying I didn't want to do some of those things that I had been quite good at you know in earlier days um, yeah my life was my life was shifting um, my my preferences were changing quite quickly I remember you describing to me and you might i I've got this in my head as something, so it might be slightly different how you said it exactly, but you you talked about how, I, I'm not sure which partner this is with, but um, you were like in the fast lane in a Ferrari. Yeah, this is, this is the, this was Peter, my, my, this was a second relationship where I was, I was meditating at this stage and, and, and interestingly in that relationship, he was the one that said, I'm out of here, which, you know, I, I, I have to be honest, I, I sort of, 
I was a bit, I was shocked, you know, in the sense that, and, and really it's, it was blindingly obvious actually when you think about it, but his, he was the one that used this description of, you know, he said, I feel like we're not going, we're not traveling at the same speed. He said, it's like, you're in the Ferrari and you're off and I'm back here in the beat up V-dub, you know, and, and, and we're not on the same, um, in the same place. And it was an interesting analogy for me because I think it was very insightful. I mean, it was very, you know, I wasn't interested in getting back into the V-dub, you know, I, and chugging along and I couldn't, and he knew that, and he wasn't ready to hop into the Ferrari. So we were taking off in different, um, in different ways. And, um, you know, V-dubs are great. Um, you know, it's not, it wasn't a judgment around that. It was just him really feeling like what he was ready for and what he, the chain, the rate at which he was ready to embrace change or the kinds of change that he was looking for was a different pace than what I was looking for. And he was feeling it and could see it and, and maybe because I was sort of whizzing off, you know, embracing all of this new stuff, I didn't see it as well. And, I'm, you know, hats off to him because, you know, I think he was very perceptive. It's a good analogy. And I feel like, because uh, I've kind of used that analogy since we we had our chat a while ago. And I, when I say it to people, so many people feel really similar about that sense of, um, yeah, one of you being at one point and one of you being at a at a totally different point. And obviously, if you're in a relationship from a young age, um, which actually a lot of my friends have been in relationships for a young age, and then you grow up, grow older, and you do things like learn to meditate, or your path completely changes. So for me, I was in TV and now I'm in yoga there's of course going to be that shift. And yet we expect that we're going to have this like one person for the for the rest of our lives. Mm. And not that I'm saying that's a bad thing. I'm in a slightly strange place with it because I'm actually going through a divorce right now. Um, yeah. But there's definitely that, that thing, of course we change. Of course we're going to have um, realizations where we're at these different stages. But I suppose my, one of my questions for you is around inspiration. It was something that you said to me that was like such a light bulb moment when you said something along the lines of your partner being an inspiration to you. And I'd love you to kind of touch on that because that really, yeah, that really kind of hit home for me. Hmm. Well, I think, you know, we, it's, it's worth in this discussion getting clear about um, what it is that holds a relationship together and a healthy relationship, a relationship that is thriving, a relationship that is n nurturing and nourishing for both parties. And so if we, if, we, if we make sure that we really are clear about that, I think from there we can see this uh, quality of inspiration because it's very important for us to, and, and, and just to, to pick up on what you were saying a moment ago, yes, when we change, 
and we are going through a lot of personal growth, of course that's going to impact relationships. And so what I have witnessed and what I witness in a lot of my students and a lot of women, young women, is that they are going through masses amounts of change in terms of their understanding about their themselves and their role and their place in society and very different rate of change than perhaps previous generation and certainly the previous generation before that where it's therefore not surprising that there may be some dismantling of the status quo and and new ways of of looking at relationships and I think that that is not a bad thing I think often there's a stigma around that you know that and I certainly felt that it was like god you know is there something wrong with me if I can't hold down a relationship or you know why is this happening and and I think that's partly baked into this idea well you know find Mr. Right and settle down and everything will be hunky-dory. And if you're, if that's not happening, then something's off. And actually, I challenge that because I think if you're going through a lot of personal growth and a lot of those stereotypes are being challenged, one of the fallouts of that is going to be the close, personal, intimate relationships that you have. And I think, you know, what is the glue? What is it that we you know what is it that relationships are all about you know why what are we what are we why are we in these things in the first place because actually they're a bit of a pain in the neck if you you know if you look at it on one level you know being in a relationship is a bit annoying you know because well you know he puts the toothbrush there and I put the toothbrush there and you know he doesn't put the tooth toilet seat down and I do and uh, and we've got to you know you want to do that watch that movie and I don't want to watch that movie you know there's all this sort of there in the many ways one could say well being in a relationship is actually quite challenging demanding and I think that that's I think that's correct you know because what it's asking us to do is to surrender preferences yeah Oh, you want to watch that movie? Um, now, okay, yeah, sure. We get to snuggle up on the sofa and we get to watch that movie. Yeah, I'm getting to hang out with you. Yeah, let's do it. Wouldn't have been my first choice, but it's fine. Let's let's do it. You know, I've surrendered a preference in aid of what? In aid of a shared experience. We get to hang out on the sofa and we get to you know, eat snacks and put our feet up and get cozy and watch something fun. And we, as a, as a, as two individuals coming together, having a shared experience, uh, are having an experience of unification. There's unity happening. This is the basis of any relationship is a, is a unity experience. Because what is unity? Unity is love. It's That's the connection. That's that coming together. So relationships are all about shared experience. I know many people who are in a relationship where there is very, very skinny levels of 
shared experience. They share the same roof over their head and they, you know, might few meal times, but there's actually a very, very limited shared experience. There's a lot of cohabiting going on because that's, you know, is working on certain levels, but actually not a lot of that coming together and having those true unity moments. So in order for me to be sharing, exp- and, and, and there's, a, there's an added layer to this, I'm willing to surrender those preferences without any drag, without any sort of resentment, without any catch. There's a willing surrender. I'm inspired to let go of that preference in aid of something beautiful and bigger and more enriching, which is that love experience that is so fundamental to who we are as human beings and I do so willingly if I'm unable to surrender preferences willingly if I resent it if I don't really want to do it I'm it's begrudging I'm 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 not actually inspired to do that fully then that is creating strain And that relationship will be a strained relationship and probably short-lived because it's not honest, it's not smooth, it's not frictionless. There's a catch, there's a drag, there's something that's not flowing. So this this understanding of shared experience is, is so fundamental and the fact that what it takes in order to have that is balanced surrendering of preferences. If one person in the relationship is doing all of the surrendering of preferences, that is an unbalanced relationship. And again, that will have a short shelf life. So, and and if it's not smooth, if it's not easy, then, you know, warning lights are shining. So, yeah, who is it that's willing, who is it that's, that's capable of inspiring that surrender of preferences? That's going to be somebody interesting. And, and so, yeah, we, we want to pay attention to that. Because if I'm having to conjure that up and drum that up through unhealthy surrendering of who I am then that's not a healthy relationship so something that we also have spoken about is the fact that we are individuals and then there's the relationship and we both feed the relationship which is very much what you were just talking about and something that you touched on at the beginning which I think is super interesting is the the kind of the, the fact that the our society if you think about Disney we have our prince that's going to save the princess and therefore we are putting our worth into someone else and I really noticed that with myself having gone through a a breakup from having been with someone since I was 23 for 10 years and realizing that I needed to do a lot of work on my own self-worth 
before I was able to be in a relationship where I'm not expecting someone else to feed that self-worth, that I can give myself that self-worth. And I know that we've also touched on expectations and how, how kind of damaging that can be. So I don't know if, if that throws up some, some things for you just about self-worth and expectations. Well, let's go, and yeah. Sorry. The only other thing I was just going to say was that um, uh, the idea that you you can't be in a healthy relationship until you're in a healthy relationship with yourself. So you can't be in a healthy relationship with someone else until you truly love yourself. So just throwing that out there as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's again come back to the fundamental principles. I think that's always a good place to start. And so what you were referring to of this of what a relationship is. A relationship is a being. It is a personality. And a relationship will always reflect back what it is that is being fed into it. So a relationship is a mirror. It is a reflection of what those two people, let's say, there's two people coming into a let's say, a lovey-dovey relationship. We're not, well, these principles, by the way, are not simply about the lovey-dovey ones. You know, relationships are relationships. The same principles apply on all levels. But a relationship is a reflection of what you bring to it. So when we understand that, we know logically that if somebody is bringing to that relationship, let's say, you know, uh, 90% misery and neediness and 10% happiness and fulfillment and the other person's bringing their big bag of neediness and insecurities and uncertainties and fears and stress and they've got, what, 80% and then they've got 20% of fulfillment, then what have we got? You know, you get your big bag of neediness and I'll get mine and let's come together. And we've got a relationship that will reflect that. So this is not a value judgment and it's not a, it's not a, oh my, I've got to just kind of get my shit together before I can be in a relationship kind of, I'm not saying that because that's not how life works. You know, relationships are the greatest, uh, practice ground that we have for growing as human beings because that's what it's all about it's all about communing and connecting and coming together and love it's what it's all about and how do we work that out we don't work it out by reading a book we don't work it out by listening to a podcast those things can give us some language, they can give us perspective, they can give us some pointers. At the end of the day, how do you really work this out? You get out there and you relate and you, and you learn through that process. And so what is it that you are bringing to the relationship? If I go into a relationship and I am in the main, fulfilled and comfortable with myself. I know myself. I am not laden with anxiety and stress. I'm 
I'm not bogged down by a whole lot of tiredness and insomnia, my body isn't, you know, unwell, then what I have to offer and what I bring to that relationship is massively upgraded and the relationship will reflect that. So this is fundamental to, you know, what we, and it's fundamental to life because what you put in, you get back. You know, this is what you sow, as you sow, so sell you reap. I mean, in relationships, absolutely this applies. So, yeah, you know, you want kindness, give kindness. You want attention, give attention. Now, the what's your capacity to give? Because, and this is really goes to the heart of this issue, because we think that relationships are all about getting and receiving. What am I going to get? What, what's the person, what can this person give me? You know, and this, and this ties into that whole thing of, well, you know, they're going to complete me. They're going to make me whole. And it's, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. And it's a mistake that is so deeply embedded in every love song and every Valentine's Day card and all of this whole cycle of, you know, let me get out there and find Mr. or Mrs. Perfect, you know, and then I will be whole. And actually, it's a, it's, 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 it's completely the opposite. Relationships are based on what you give. <laughs> and what you give is what you get. And when you give something which is of value, you will receive that many times over. This is the interesting thing. In any relationship. So here we get to the heart of it. Don't be surprised by what your relationship is delivering, what that entity, that third being represents. Because it is a function of what you bring to it. So as you become more stable and less stressed and more creative and more perceptive and more refined and more able to live your life as an expression of some inner stability and blissfulness, then that is what's going to change and shift your relationships. And who you attract. <laughs> you know? So... I, I'm not sure if I've, if I've covered all the points on your um, earlier bit, but maybe that's a, a jumping off point for us. No, it's great. It's, um, I suppose that's, that's a little bit about what I meant in terms of when I was able to um, take the time to build myself up in a way that I probably hadn't looked at before. Um, the capacity to give for me was bigger and I became less needy for sure. I was definitely um, needy 
in my my previous relationship so yeah it's it's really interesting that that idea of the capacity to give and, and it's hard to give when we're not feeling great about ourselves or it's hard to exactly. give something it's hard to give that which we want to receive when we don't feel great and we don't feel sure of ourselves and we're snappy and we're judgy and we're petty and we're pernickety and and we're tight and all of that because that's how we feel and we're not sure of ourselves and we're not expansive and we're not grounded and so you know how can we get we can only give what we've got yeah Brené Brown I heard her say (laughs) something really interesting it was to do with um a relationship always being on like an equal measure and she talked about how um, with her husband, I think it is, she, um, if let's say she's had um, a difficult day at work, they'll come, they'll basically come back from their days of work. They've got kids mm-hmm. and they, they give a percentage of what, what they can give to that evening. Sometimes it's like, I've got 50, I've got 50, I've got 80, I've got 80, fine. But if one of them comes back and is like, I've got 20, today all I've got is 20. And then the idea is hopefully the other will be like, I've got you. I'm going to, I've got, I've got the 80. We can make a hundred percent. I've got the kids dinner. I want you to sit down, go run yourself a bath. I've got this. And then they'll have days where they're like, I've got 10% and I've got 7%. And they go, right, what can we do to make everything so much easier? They order take in, they let (laughs) their kids watch TV. So they, they have this wonderful communication where they're talking about how much they can give. And that was really fascinating to me. I like that because I think it it recognises the fundamentals that we've just been addressing. You know, it is a function of uh, what we can bring to it. And I like the fact that there is... Uh, open lines of communication because this is fundamental to any healthy relationship. If you are not able to talk about it and communicate about it in a healthy way, then again, short shelf life. So I like that and I like the honesty, you know, and I like the recognition and I like the fact that this is an alliance that is, you know, it's it's like if you come back to the Ferrari and the V-Dub, it's <clears throat> let's change that and let's say we've got a Ferrari and we've got a I don't know my cars very well a um, Maserati okay so you know Ferrari's in front Maserati's pretty close you know they're in the same you know neck and neck and now oh now the Maserati's in front and the Ferrari can pull back a little bit relationships are not Oh, Ferrari and Maserati lined up, you know, lined lined up exactly. There'll always be a little bit of an edge. <laughs> and though that's a dynamic interplay. Oh, now it's the Maserati. Oh, now it's the Ferrari. So the Maserati's having a bad day. Okay, Ferrari can just sort of come in there. Or there's, you know, something that one person brings more to in the relationship and somebody else brings something else and understanding what those roles are and understanding the dynamism of that that that's not fixed in stone and that can change and that 
is respectful of the relationship. It's respectful of the being that we are both contributing to and we are both nourishing it with integrity and with honesty and knowing that if there is a limit around that on any particular day that someone's got your back you know that 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 together we own this relationship and i think i like what she's expressing because it's true to that fundamental it's 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 correct what she's saying and it's it's right that there's it's a sign of a very healthy emotionally mature person when those kinds of conversations can happen it's teamwork yeah you know and it's it's um it's what it's all about you know it's it's what in in aid of what again you know well it's in aid of that unity experience it's an aid of having those shared experiences that bring that connection that there's the love you know all alone no interaction no connection no communication with other that isn't going to have that richness in the same way it's just a so yeah this is why we surrender those preferences this is what it's all an aid of um rather than i'm incomplete and therefore i'm i'm looking for somebody to to fill that void and that then leads us into one of the biggest mistakes in relationships is that we end up feeling the impulse to control that person because if they don't continue to deliver what they said they were going to deliver or what I think they should be delivering, then the whole thing falls apart. And, you know, we know what a mistake that is because everything and everyone is changing and there's the dynamism that I was referring to. And if you get into controlling then you are violating or ignoring the basic fundamental principle of life life is about progression and evolution progressive change and people are number one contenders for progressive change so hoping or controlling your way to, uh, you know, you've got to keep doing it that way, or you've got to deliver this, you've got to, you know, otherwise I'm not getting what I signed up for here, you know, is, is, a, is a path to misery. I was just going to say that goes back to the idea of expectations and, um, remember when you said it last time and you just saying it just now, I know that was a huge mistake on my behalf in my relationship. I had so many expectations. And just before this, um, we started recording, we were talking, I was saying to you how 
often people are saying to me, when are you coming home? Do you know what you're doing with your life? Because my, my path was very much, I'm married, I'm buying the house, I'm um, going to have a baby, I was trying for babies. And now because that my life is very, very different, I have been able to let go to some extent of expectations, which means that I've let go of that control and that has been such a huge lesson in this breakup. And um, yeah, I believe we just, we learn so much. As you said, relationships are just such a wonderful ground to learn so much about ourselves. And Challenging, challenging. So challenging. You know, know, because it really shines a light on, on those assumptions and the hypnosis of social conditioning that we've bought into and that's bound up in those expectations and and that you know wanting to be the good girl and you know produce a grandchild and you know do all the things that not only are inbuilt into your expectations but are other people's expectations and the societal expectations and anyone that and and that was what I was referring to in my own experience when I at a relatively young age having been meeting those expectations beautifully so to speak then you know put a spanner in the works and say oh no what I found most difficult actually was dealing with everybody else's expectations over and above my own actually um and uh it takes it takes uh some strength i think to and and sometimes it just needs to get really bad you know and and then through that process we realize as we progress that that terrible thing or that disaster or that thing that we have you know built up as a crisis was actually the greatest blessing and and moment of kickstarting a path of development um, and so it can feel very rough and raw and tough and because I think there are so many layers to those expectations and and then with hindsight and with perspective we can see that it was fundamental to us developing as a human being and we had to things had to get quite rough at some point and often when I talk to people and going through these processes, the, the, the misery and the uncertainty and the fear and the, the putting oneself down and the I'm no good and I'm never going to be any good and I'm going to, you know, never be with anybody and all of that very destructive and negative, negating mental conversation that just goes on and on. You know, we when we realize actually with time that yes, it it was a part and parcel of us um, letting go of 
the binding effect of these expectations. And that can sometimes feel very, very bumpy in the moment. So um, I guess my next question to you um, is around your current relationship with Michael, um, who has also been meditating for a very long time. I would love to know a little bit about how you deal with conflict or even how you deal with the before conflict, as in any kind of tips and tools that you have um, within your relationship that allows you to communicate and allows you to be more conscious and allows you to be growing together and, and create that teamwork. Yes, I mean, my relationship with Michael is... Um, you know, we're both long-term meditators and that has an effect on our relationship. Um, and so I, you know, and we came to that relationship having been in other relationships and in a, you know, out of relationships and had those experiences that therefore I think there was a level of self-awareness and uh, development work that had occurred. So I would just, I would say it's, um, it has that as a backdrop. And it comes back to something that we were talking about earlier and related to what Brene, Brene Brown was talking about. I think, you know, and it's interesting, I... Um, one of my students who's, who's written a, a quote in, for my book that's coming out, she, she talked about this. She said, you know, my husband and I have been meditating since 1991 and our three kids meditate. And I say that the family that meditates together stays together. <laughs> I love um, that. Yeah. And uh, this is Renee Elliott. She, she founded Planet Organic. She's a super cool woman. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, I, it's, I cannot underestimate the impact that that has in terms of what I'm able to bring to my relationship. But I think communication, <laughs> the ability to keep those lines of communication open, are fundamental so that we don't end up in a situation where one person in a relationship is having thoughts that they are not able to express. You know, if somebody in a relationship is thinking about stuff that they don't feel they can talk about with the other person, then that is not a healthy relationship. That is not a close and loving alliance because then it's the opposite of feeling like someone's got your back it's sort of like well I it's not it's just not truthful it's not honest it's, there's it's there's a strain there and I think what I observe with Michael and I and I'm not saying it's all you know that we don't have disagreements about things or that we see absolutely eye to eye on everything there's a lot of alignment um on the fundamentals um but you know I know that if he's uh, you know, the other day you know, I had the COVID vaccine and I was knocked for a sex, you know, I was like, <laughs> in, I didn't see it coming. I was in bed for a, 
day felt terrible and and Michael steps in and he picks up that you know I know I know that that is there for, for me and that's in aid of us and our alliance our partnership and and likewise you know if he's a feeling off then I can step in so there's that flexibility and adaptability based on what's going on and I think this is one of the fundamental uh, benefits of the practice of meditation is that you are not always running on empty you are actually conscious and you have energy and you're not stressed and that has a fundamental change to what you can bring to a situation and allows you to meet that situation in that moment and adapt to it and that adaptability is what allows for that you know the ebbing and flowing of of what it is that we bring and take from those relationships so yeah I communication and being able to share and being able to laugh you know I mean I I think Michael is so funny, you know, like we just laugh and and you know, if I was to think, you know, what is it that just not to take it all too seriously, you know? I can think back to how I used to get myself so wound up about this stuff, you know? And when you're wound up and you're all serious and all tight and kind, it's just it's you're not your best, you know, it's not, there's, there's a, there's a layer of joy that just gets kind of sliced off the whole thing, you know, it's like, we, it's not to say that there's not tough stuff going on, of course, you know, we have incredible issues in our society, we have horrific levels of suffering, we have inequity, we have all sorts of stuff going on that is absolutely in need of change and dismantling and it's not walking around with rose-colored glasses on and if we are taking ourselves too seriously then everything will get tight and we lose a layer of joy and just a bit of laughter and that for me is you know, if I find myself getting to that sort of heading in that direction, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, we've got to just, you know, let's just have a laugh, you know, let's just pull back from that. And I think that's something that, yeah, we put some attention on, we're good at that, you know, not taking ourselves too seriously. Um, and I, and I, hands up, I used to take myself way too seriously. Um, so I think that's something that I observe in us. Um, yeah. But, you know, meditation, and I see, I hear this from my students all the time. You know, actually someone just wrote to me about this recently saying, you know, since she's been meditating, the friends that she thought were her really close friends <laughs> are no longer her, what she regards as her really close friends and there was a kind of a vacuum there for a while. And now what she's finding is that, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. Nature's filling that up. There are new people coming into her life. But there were certainly relationships that were not 
so honest and not so um, balanced and not so healthy and that she was finding and some of those were family and some of those were not family just falling away changing shifting and new relationships becoming more prominent in her life and it's certainly something that I've experienced over the years I really experienced that when I first sort of started my journey about six years ago um in terms of I started therapy and then I had a big shift in my friendships and it was one of the hardest things to do it was like a breakup Mm. but it was definitely the right thing to do um and I remember very clearly when I saw you maybe four months after kind of separation um, from my husband and you said the same about meditation for me that you really thought that there was a big possibility that me now meditating so it was almost a year that I'd been meditating um, twice a day was going to have a big influence on that shift and yeah, I remember a bit at the time I was like, really? You think it's that? Because I thought it was, you know, so many other things. But it, it definitely, definitely makes sense. Mm. I something... always say, you know, meditation reveals the truth. Now, what, is, what does that mean? Meditation reveals the truth. Well, actually, and this is a very interesting thing about relationships, you know, nothing that, you know, if we take, one of my important relationships in my life, if we take the one where I, when I was meditating and the the Ferrari V-dub example, you know, what, nothing developed in that relationship over time. What was the the seed of that, of that relationship ending the the fundamentals of that were were there all the time they were there right at the beginning it's not that it it developed into this i when when i was able to gain perspective and move through that and step back and contemplate and look at at it all the signs were there wasn't that something developed in that person that wasn't there when i first met them it was those dynamics were actually, I could see it right back at the beginning. And so when I say meditation reveals the truth, it what I'm saying is that it gives us perspective. It gives us the state of consciousness that is not clouded and obstructed by stress and agitation and tension and dullness that comes from being tired. It peels all those layers back. And what is there revealed beneath that is actually what was always there. It's just a question of perception. It's a question of can you see it? And, and so when we dig deep and when we're really honest with ourselves and when we can, when we do have that state of consciousness that is, is perceptive in that way, we can actually see that what's being revealed was not something that just sprouted up out of nowhere. The seeds of that were there right from the beginning. 
And so what we want in life is we want more consciousness. We want the capacity to truly be able to perceive what's going on with ourselves and with people around us so that we're not blindly walking into unions and alliances and connections and not really paying attention because it will be there always and it's a function of your state of consciousness and everything comes back to our state of consciousness because consciousness is our essence it's our, our essential self is our being and so this is why when in the work that I do so often relationships are, are highlighted as something that needs to shift because when you shine the light of consciousness onto them, what is revealed is those aspects which are not actually sustainable that have been allowed to be sustained in a way that's not healthy. And so it's, it's a biggie. It's a biggie. One thing, um, just going back to teamwork, because it just made me think of something. I, when I um, was going through, um, was closer to when my separation happened, I listened to a podcast with, I'm pretty sure it was Tim Ferriss and Brené Brown. And Tim was basically saying how um, he was in this relationship where every week they would sit down and discuss what they've done well from the, for, for the week. So as in what the other person has done well, what they're grateful for, what they really appreciate, the little moments, etc. And then they talk about the things that they feel they could do better. And what he said about that was what was so nice was because our love languages can be very different, we can show love in very different ways. By doing that, he realized some of the things he was doing that he didn't even think was a big deal was being so appreciated. So it gave him that consciousness to go, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give more of that because that's actually really easy for me. But it makes my partner really, really feel loved and safe and whatever it is. And then once you've done that part, the part of appreciating, to then go into the the niggles and the difficulties. And um, again, what he said was, to begin with, he pushed back and he was like, oh, no, I don't do that, I don't do that. And then it would come up each week. And so he realised there was a pattern and a light being shone on this thing where he was like, okay, I can't ignore it now. I can't, I am obviously to some extent doing this. So it would give him that ability to really look within and see how he could change something that was possibly a pain point within the relationship. And I just think it's such a beautiful thing to do, to check in once a week, because also those, it made me think actually when we were talking before about something I think people struggle with a lot, and this this is definitely how I used to be. Something would come up, there'd be a niggle, And I would keep it inside because I had this expectation of they should know. Like Mm -hmm. my partner should know that I'm upset. My partner should know to come and hug me. My partner should know X, Y, Z. And what I really realized through our breakup as well was how can I expect someone to know something if I'm not telling them? And if I'm not communicating, we are completely different people. Something that's painful for me might not be painful for them. Mm -hmm. So letting go of that 
expectation has been helpful, but also having a weekly check-in, maybe when you're both triggered is not the time to discuss it, but you know every week you're going to have a chance to discuss those issues. And I'm actually in a new relationship now and it's something I said I wanted to bring in and we do it, we call it our Sunday session and we do it every Sunday and it mm-hmm. it's really wonderful because we're not creating a backlog of like anxieties and frustrations. I remember I used to like, I'd be like, six weeks ago, you put the spoon <laughs> in the wrong place. Um, and my husband would be like, what? I don't even remember that. So, you know, he had, he had no chance with that unless you're saying it as and when these things happen. And so those weekly, weekly check-ins can, I, I don't know, I think that's a, for me, it's, it's working really well and has, has really helped that sense of being in a conscious relationship. I like that. I think it's um, it comes back to that point that we were talking about of really communicating and and keeping those lines of communication open. And if there if it feels helpful to have some structure around that, I think that that is very valuable. And I think it also highlights another important principle that is so worthwhile in us remembering in relationships is that and in life in any aspect is you know nip it in the bud catch it early you know the 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 countless times when things that were small a small little niggle that has festered and it has grown and how has it grown it's grown because every time you think about it it's like you're watering it you know, you're pouring fertilizer and watering water on it. And so this little niggle has gone from being this tiny little thing to turning six weeks later into this huge, dominant, big issue that had it been nipped in the bud, had it been caught earlier, had it not been watered with all of those thoughts and those grudges and those meh, 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 it wouldn't have grown you know the way these things grow is because we put our attention on them and that, so I I like the fact that that process is a mechanism to prevent that from happening catch it early because when you catch it early it's smaller and it, and you can put it in perspective in a completely different way. I would say that there is a natural progression and extension of, of this as we develop our state of consciousness in that we will be able to uh, intuit and feel those moments and those things where something might have been interpreted more clearly as time goes on in terms of our just having more subtlety and refinement. Um, and I think there's, that is also something that, that develops as we become more in tune with who we are and less in the grip of all this, you know, stress chemistry. But I like, you know, we, we have a similar thing and, and our, family you know Michael and Loie and I and it's like we need a family meeting 
you know, something will come up. And and Loey will call a family meeting, you know, let's have a family meeting, you know. And we're like, oh, okay, let's have a family meeting. So we all sit on the sofa and like, okay, what's it about, you know. And, um, yeah, you know, c- catch things early. Just, you know, you catch it early, you can deal with it. And, and that communication, it's, uh, it's really vital, vital. It reminds me of the saying of also like, don't sweat the small stuff. You know, it allows you to just say it and then you, you're not sweating Yes, it. and we always, we always want to speak our truth sweetly. This is something that we all need to take care of because, you know, words can, words can hurt. Words can be, um, we, we don't want to use our words without care. And so we want to take care around how we speak and how we communicate. Um, and we always want to go for the sweet truth. There's always a sweet truth. Not, we want to go for the high end. So, um, yeah. And it's I suppose a, that also, a, I was just going to say it goes to the point of like not, <laughs> for me, trying to communicate when I'm triggered. It's just just can't do it so I have to have that space and step away and then I actually think I'm really quite good at communication when I've when I'm not triggered but in the moment no it's hard so yes I mean I think for some people their their way of processing is more extrovert and they need to get it out and it comes out and for other people it's more a process of incubation and pondering and reflecting and then coming back and the next day and but I I I always recommend the four-hour technique you know something's on your mind or something is doesn't feel right give it four hours give it four hours and you know that might mean that you've slept on it. But I guarantee when you come back to it, having allowed that period of time to pass, something will have shifted, some clarity, some perspective will have arrived and, and some settling down and some de-excitation will have occurred in a way that allows you to process it and discuss it and in a way that's much, much more healthy. So just to kind of wrap up, I would love to hear a little bit about your book. Oh, my book. I'm so excited. I just last night sent the um, final, as they keep stressing to me, these are the final proofs, um, no more changes, um, off to the publisher. So that went off. I pushed send on that last night. Um, I'm excited for you, Therese. You're in it. You, you so kindly, um, contributed with, um, a lovely, a breathing, uh, technique in there, which I'm excited for, for you to see it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's funny, you know, you've been working on it, working on it, and then it's sort of done, and uh, and now I'm just sort of in that. It doesn't come out until the 8th of July, so we've got, you know, a few months. Uh, People can pre-order, can they? They can pre-order, yes. It's called Why Meditate? Because It Works. And it's a book that I wanted to – I've wanted to write a book for a while, and I'm glad I sort of 
I mean, these things always happen at the right time. You know, I think it's, uh, we are in a time when everyone's talking about meditation and meditation is much more popular and we've got mindfulness and there's apps and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And that's fantastic. And with that, um, and you'll know this from your experience in the yoga world, you know, that that proliferation and that explosion <laughs> of popularity can also mean that the knowledge and, and the understanding gets a little uh, confused sometimes and diluted. And my sense of the work that I'm doing is that the demand for learning to meditate properly uh, is very, very high and only going to become increasingly so. And so this is a really important moment, I think, for us to be really building our understanding about what is meditation and what does it do for you and sort of unpicking some of the misunderstandings that exist about it and how does it really work and how is it different from mindfulness and, you know, staring at a candle and what are the what's happening in your brain and what's going on with your cortisol levels and all this stuff that, you know, I think is, I want there to be clarity around this and some trusted um, advice around this. So this is not a book that you're going to read and then you're going to know how to meditate. This is a book to inspire you to move in the right direction on that journey. And um, I've written it it's got illustrations, very cool um, colleague of mine who's based in Brooklyn, who's an illustrator. And so I got Marissa to help me with il some illustrations and it's not too long. And, you know, I wanted it to reflect the technique that you and I practice, which is easy and it's ancient and yet it works in modern life. It's accessible, it's doable, it's transformational and I wanted the book to not be dense and heavy and I just wanted it to be easy and accessible and modern and cool and and so yeah I'm excited for it to come out we'll pop a, a little link for the pre-order my mum's already pre-ordered she's like oh has she yeah well she oh, also knows she doing? she's good she's thank you she's a good. a big fan of Jillian's because um <laughs> She, she knows how much Gillian has changed my life going from a highly anxious and stressed insomniac to a lot more calm. So my mum is forever grateful. And she is, at some point, when things open up again, she will come and learn to meditate oh, with you in person for sure. I'm looking forward to seeing her again. Well, I feel like I could have asked you so many more questions around use of language within relationships I also wanted to talk about desire so what I would love to do is um, maybe revisit this for the, for the third season if we do a third season of the podcast uh, there seems to be um, not only a very strong appetite for for this whole area it really does because it's so fundamental to who we are as humans it really does tap into so many areas about how we speak and you know speech is something that is as you say so important because it's such a powerful manifesting tool and uh, I I think it's something that is is used in such a sloppy way um, these days so that's a that's a very fascinating area to explore so yeah there's 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 always you know more um, to be continued but I think it's been such a um, 
such a delight just to sit down and really get into some of these fundamentals because from that cascades so many um so many issues yeah i absolutely love talking to you so thank you so so much uh, likewise such a pleasure thank you so much for listening for more inspirational tips please head to www.sophiedeer.com and sign up for my weekly wellness letter